0: This episode is brought to you by Rollbar Move fast and fix things Resolve errors and minutes and deploy with confidence Head to rollbar.com slash changelog Request a demo, get started today It's loved by developers, trusted by enterprises And most of all, we use it here at Changelog Move fast and fix things with Rollbar Once again, rollbar.com changelog Changelog everybody this is the change logo podcast featuring the hackers leaders and innovators of open source I'm Adam stokoviak editor-in-chief of Changelog. In this episode, Jared and I talk with Jordan Eldridge about Winamp 2GS, a reimplementation of Winamp 2.9 in HTML5 and JavaScript. For many of our listeners, talking about WinAmp may bring to mind some extreme nostalgia about the internet of the past. And honestly, it's the same way for Jared and I. Jordan started this project in 2014, and it's what ultimately got the attention of some folks at Facebook, where he now works on Nuclide. We shared stories about Winamp back in the day for all of us, actually listening to music as an MP3, the technical hurdles and learning Jordan has experienced, skinning it, adding playlists, making it a front end for Spotify, which is so ironic to actually say. Also, Jared has been hacking on it via live stream on Twitch, so check the show notes for that link. And little did Jared and I know, but Jordan was a big fan of the show, which you will learn about at the end of the show. I think the best place to actually start is by talking about this tweet that you put out first year. It was like, I don't know, it was huge, right? Like it was 3,000 retweets or something. It was crazy.
1: Well, that might be hyperbolic, but it was definitely popular.
0: But that wasn't the first time to the rodeo. That was like, there was Reddit, there was Hacker News, there was other stuff. And the thing we're talking about is called Winamp2JS. Uh, You can find it at webamp.com. Is it .com?
1: Webamp.org. Or, Let me share some coverage here because I was actually looking this up as I was live streaming the other day, hacking on this Webamp2JS. In the README, Jordan has press coverage, and he's been covered by TechCrunch, uh, Gizmodo, Motherboard, The ChangeLog, which is in a different section, but I understand. <laughs> um, and I was looking at the different dates, and I was thinking, do we scoop these guys? So I looked at uh, Motherboard. They they covered it in like February this year. We we scooped them. I was looking at TechCrunch. It was like right after you know they saw Motherboard post it basically, and they covered it. And that was like February this year. We scooped them. And I was starting to feel pretty good about myself, and then I went to Gizmodo's coverage of Winamp 2 JS, and it was like February. I don't know the month, but it was 2014. 2014. Wow. So props to Gizmodo for scooping this project up years ago, and I guess that helps us kind of <laughs> date how long it's been around and how long you've been working on this. Um, so tell us a little bit of the story, you know, it's four years later, uh, what was this idea and, and what were you doing back in 2014?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a funny backstory. So I was uh, sitting in my room, just, uh, I don't have any idea what I was doing, but the uh, a memory of... Winamp Skins came back to me. Um, And I guess for anyone who doesn't remember, Winamp Skins was the way that you could theme Winamp. And the implementation of it was just a zip file that contained bitmap files, which were sprite sheets. And I guess at work I had been doing some stuff with um, CSS sprite sheets. And suddenly this parallel kind of popped into my head that like, whoa, Winamp Skins, uh, were sprite sheets, and I'm used to doing sprite sheets in CSS now. I wonder if you could sort of reconstruct the Winamp UI uh, using CSS. And so I, I was like, oh, that sounds really fun. So I sat down at my computer and uh, tried to you know, pull up some BMPs, realized that, hey, browsers can still play or uh, still show BMPs just like any other image. Uh, and yeah, you could do it. And it's a BMP. A uh, bitmap. It's like a very primitive, oh, okay, non-compressed yeah. uh, image format. I forgot. Jeez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's
1: yeah, been really. a while. Uh,
2: yeah, no transparency in bitmaps. Um, but yeah, so that that first little bit worked, and uh, I was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. And Then I was like, well, how do you connect up the audio? And so I went and learned about Web Audio API stuff. And I got the main window. So it's like Winamp is broken up into three different windows. There's a a main window, which has like play and volume and a little visualizer on there. Um, And then there's a equalizer window. And then there's a playlist window. But I got just the first one working. And I tweeted about it um, because I thought, you know, hey, maybe my friend Jake would think this is cool. Um, and yeah, it kind of blew up, um, back, you know, back then was that 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I think it, that's, I think when you were saying Gizmodo picked it up, and made it to Hacker yeah. News and, it was on hacker you know, hacker was like as well. a, exactly. Yeah. It's like a, uh, someone who was, I guess, fairly new to the sort of the mainstream tech industry. Uh, that was like, I don't know. I was like over the moon that all of these, you know, that I got sure. posted to Hacker News and, um it was kind of unbelievable and i guess maybe just that um that interest was like well i guess i'll keep working on this and then you know 4 years later i guess i haven't really uh <laughs> ever thought to question whether i should stop <laughs> how much time do you have into this it's a good question so it's a long term project but um it you know it sort of goes in phases where i come back to it and work on it and then Uh, sort of walk away for a while. I'm a person who likes to have a lot of different projects going in parallel so that when I get blocked on one, rather than sort of being forced to solve a problem in a imperfect way, I can just sort of walk away until, you know, sometime in a shower two months later. I'm like, oh, oh, that's how I could do it. And then, you know, I can come back to the project. Um, So I really have no idea. But I, you know, probably often i will spend, you know, three or four hours a week or or more, um, you know, and on busy times when I'm really feeling it, probably a lot more than that.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of a tweet I saw recently where it was a cartoon, and we retweeted it. So if you follow us on Twitter, you'll see this. But it was a cartoon. It was a brain and saying, "Hey," it, to the person who owns the brain, essentially. "Hey, you gonna go to sleep?" And then the next paint it says, "Yes." Now shut up. The person <laughs> talking to the brain, and the brain says, "I think I figured out how to debug your program." And then suddenly the next one is the eyes wide open. It's like, you know, just uh, you're up now. You got to go to All work. Right. So, you know, it's nice to have the side projects where you can sort of like step away and do something different. In this case, it's sleep. <laughs> but uh, you get to okay. take a shower. Yeah. Take a shower. I, I like that. You know, it's got to give yourself room. And that's yeah. an interesting... You like taking
1: showers? What do you say? <laughs> well, You're I think it's work. an inter-
0: interesting perspective to have a, a reason to have many projects ongoing so that you can yeah. break from one on blocks and still have fun and enjoy you know, your craft, but not get stuck and be like pulling your hair out.
2: Right. And I think that's another big uh, advantage of side projects is that they enable you to work in that way where rather than you know, being forced to solve a problem if you don't have a good solution, you can just say, Oh, okay. You know, putting that one on hold. Um, and you know, either, either I'll decide that it's important to come back and, you know, hack something in and move forward with something imperfect or, you know, Hey, I'll just, you know, sit it on the back burner and let it stew for a while. Um, whereas, you know, in work like, Hey, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta ship, otherwise you're not going to get your paycheck.
1: So there's, there's kind of two kinds of people and, and probably a, uh, a sliding scale between them you have people with a bunch of ideas and no time to do them or maybe just enough time to work on one or two and then you have people with a lot of time and no ideas and then like i said there's a sliding scale but uh jordan you seem like kind of guy who's got lots of ideas and you also execute on some of them at least we've seen winamp2 we'll also probably get around to talking about urlme.me which is cool as well um where do your ideas come from and like, can you give somebody advice? Like I can't think of a cool side project. How do you initiate a cool side project?
2: It's, it's really funny. Cause I spent a lot of time feeling like I was in that first camp where I had all this time and like, I really wanted to be doing something cool, um, or to be like participating, but I didn't feel like I had any ideas. And I think as you pointed out, you know, now I'm sort of transitioned into this other <laughs> situation where i've got you know more things that i want to do than i have time in which uh-huh. to do them and i was looking back at you know all these projects that i've done and i'm definitely like a side project kind of oriented person and i realized that the one like theme throughout them is trying to do uh something in a medium in which that thing is surprising so with like win app js it's like I think it's somewhat surprising that you can do as much as you can, that you can re-implement sort of to the level of detail that is possible inside of the browser, um, which is a pretty tight constraint. Um, And with URL meme, um, which you said we might get into later, which is like a a meme generator where the URL is the user interface. So you should be able to generate a sort of, you know, quote unquote meme image (laughs) uh, by just typing a URL. You know, it's again like, I think a surprising thing that you could actually do that. Um, mm-hmm. And looking back at all my projects, I think that's sort of the the recurring theme. And the inspiration then I think ends up coming from understanding the technology and uh, thinking about the things, uh, you know, learning about the the features of the technology and then those ideas sort of bubbling around in your brain and overlapping with other things that you've come across mm-hmm. in your life. So, you know, this example of uh, Winamp being inspired really by this idea of CSS sprite sheets overlapping with my memory of, uh, you know, hacking on Winamp skins as a teenager. Right. Um, so I think, you know, I wish I had like a, a direct like go do this thing and you will have great ideas. Um, but I think really it was when I started having a deeper understanding of technology and exploring sort of the edges of, you know, obscure APIs and things like that that. These ideas started uh, coming to me more regularly.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean when I look at winamp two js and you know Adam and I also often discuss like what makes something interesting or what makes it popular or what resonates with developers because those are things that I think intellectually stimulate us. and obviously we're in the you know arena of of covering those kind of things and talking about them. And you know winamp two js specifically, had two things going toward it. the first was an extreme amount of nostalgia that it invokes, um, to most people who, you know, were around, you know, either, I guess in the formative years or older in the late nineties, right? Early two thousands when it was very popular. Um, and then secondly, this little bit of a surprise factor, an uh, impress, you know, that impresses you that, you can actually do this in the browser. Like it has those two aspects to it, which makes it very, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to say necessarily viral. I guess it has, it had waves of coverage, you know, and, and has resonated with so many people. Yeah, it's yeah. sticky. Thank you.
0: It's sticky. I mean, like <laughs> you, you go back, you turn back somebody's time a little bit, especially somebody who's actually used this to play music, not just look at as this thing here, which is cool, of course, but somebody who's used it and managed playlists and, you know, fine tune the EQ to their favorite rock song or whatever. Like, you know, you, you kind of bring out this inner child, you know, this childlike yeah. joy that we don't often get to face because, you know, you're stuck on a block and you don't get enough side projects or you got to ship because you got to get a paycheck. As you said earlier, like you give that back and then you're like, Oh, then go one step further and dig a little further into this open source code base that if you want to learn something hey this is how you learned it
2: yeah i think the nostalgia angle is really huge and i think you know if i have any advice for like how to come up with a side project that is going to generate interest it's you know ride somebody else's coattails as far as possible (laughs) um because really that's you know that's what it is you know uh this thing has gotten you know like posted in a bunch of places with, you know, comments. And every time I read through the comments, you know, maybe 5% are actually about the project and the rest of the comments like, Oh man, Winamp, uh, you know, I still use Winamp or Winamp was the best and everything, you know, more recent is garbage. Um, Mm -hmm. but that, and I think, you know, the same, that was the same impetus for me doing it was I have, like you said, this sort of emotional, uh, memory of, uh, this, mp3 player from a time that was formative for me both you know as a person right like music as a teenager um which i think is probably the the people with whom this is resonating the the best um you know the way that you consume music as a teenager has got to make an imprint on you because music is so important i think as a in your in your teenage and college years Mm -hmm. um and so i think much in the same way that that's what has maybe driven the interest in this, it was also what drove my own personal interest in it, um, was, you know, wanting to recreate those experiences. In fact, um, you know, I said the, the original idea came from Winamp Skins and that was actually, I think, the first like constructive thing I ever did on a computer, um, you mm. know, where I went from a consumer of software to, um, you know, creating something from nothing, uh, which is, I think, a really powerful moment for any I probably almost any programmer can remember that first moment when you like sat down at a computer and then sometime later a thing existed that didn't exist before only out of you know your time and your brain Uh, Mm -hmm. there were no you know you didn't have to go to the store and buy parts Um, it was just your idea made something new in the world and that experience I think. Even though, you know, there were, I was making the world's ugliest Winamp skin that never saw the light of day and nor should it have. <laughs> um, but but I think that was really informative and is, I see a direct line uh, from that experience through, you know, to writing software today. Um, and, you know, the experience of working on Winamp 2.js definitely feels like that same kind of joy of sitting down at a computer and making something you know, that didn't exist before exist just from your own, you know, time and, and mental energy.
1: Yeah. Well, Winamp definitely has those same you know, warm, fuzzy feelings for me as well. I didn't take it as far as you, I didn't actually create skins, but I do remember this was like specifically for me is attached to Napster in the timeline in yeah. terms of like what was happening at the same time. <laughs> and it was like, you're waiting for your files to download. Right. And they were taking forever because you know, the internet was <laughs> really slow back then. And while you do that, what do you do? Well, you're just, I'm just out there downloading, you know, Winamp skins and swapping them in and out and, you know, creating playlists and just wasting you know, hours upon hours. And I never quite made it across the void like you did to like, I'm going to create my own. Um, but it definitely had, you know, down the road, I had times where I peeled back the covers and, and saw the power of programming. Adam, were you a Winamp user back in the? back in the day I was
0: and actually your story reminded me when it talks about skinning was skinning forums that was a huge thing I can't remember uh-huh. the, the the most well-known forum maybe you all might remember the brand name of it but it was the most used and skinning those and skinny Winamp was like the coolest thing and yeah I was never cool enough to do either
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I totally remember having these like you know downloading these these skins and uh and just be like, oh my God, the people who made these must be like, you know, the most massive, you know, uh, kings among men, and yeah. uh, you know, like, oh my gosh, oh to be one of those people who can, you know, make these amazing works of art. Um, and uh, it's been interesting. I've I've actually been able to you know, through this project, end up connecting up with a couple of people who were, you know, sort of big time skinners back in the day and had made some of these very cool skins. Um, and it's really funny, you know, having a little bit more perspective in life, uh, getting to, to talk to those people. And, you know, certainly the work that they did was really incredible. But I, you know, the outsized presence that those people had in my mind as a mm. teenager is really funny to, to look back on, you know, these days.
0: Someone out there is screaming VB Bulletin because that's yeah. uh, what it was called. VB uh, yeah, Bulletin,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. or V Bulletin, I guess is probably and yeah. yeah, not VB. V Bulletin was that
1: a specific website or was that just the forum software that? All that's the forum
0: use? software. I think okay. that was like the most VBulletin. popular, and a couple others that I recall, but yeah, Envision I think might have been the other one.
1: PHPBB. What year did that come
2: that's out? That's the one I was thinking of. PHPBB.
0: Hmm. Oh. I was thinking Envision and then V Bulletin. And yeah, PHPB as well. That was in yeah. the mix too. But yeah, like, you'd hang out on these forums. You'd you'd find people to connect with. Like this is the old days of the internet. And like you would, I guess you still do that. But like that was the only way then. That was pre-blogs where it was like on the cusp of blogs. Right. And it was totally in the era of like Napster and downloading music when it was, you know, you did it not because you wanted to steal. You did it because it was new and it was mm-hmm. I, I never, I don't, maybe I was, I was probably poor then too, but so I probably had to, I couldn't afford <laughs> it, but I don't think I did it. Cause it was like, I want to steal your stuff. It was more like, that's how you do it now, I guess. I mean, it's the world's changing. I don't know. MP3s, right. give it to me.
1: That's right.
2: Yeah. I think it's so, hard to untangle the, um, the experience of, of Winamp from the experience of, you know, digital uh, media you know digital audio being available for the very first time um and sort of just skyrocketing into the main, mainstream uh and you know suddenly this huge availability of of music and the ability to just ingest you know music from all over with very little friction um i think i think everybody who went from you know through that transition from oh you only get music at a CD store when you can drop you know 10, 15 bucks on a CD to, uh, you know, oh, everything is suddenly available to me at my fingertips. And I think that feeling is probably very, is probably a very important, potent part of the, the emotional reaction that people have to win Yeah, in, I, w- I would guess. And not just music that you could buy
1: at, you know, at the, at the CD store. Is that a thing? When you said
0: CD store, I was like CD store. That's interesting. Yeah. What is it, got it Music store. Uh,
1: Music store, a, a, record, store. a record, record store, record yeah. store. That's yeah. So it has been a while. <laughs> it? You actually, labeled by the media type, CD store. <laughs> we used to go to the MP3 store, um, <laughs> but actually, like new music, like things that didn't exist outside of the digital, right? Like the the covers and the remixes and these like the MIDI uh, stuff. There was so much bootlegs. new. Yeah, yeah, bootlegs. But. Um, one thing I want to ask both of you guys, I guess, open question, because as developers, like even asking Jordan, like, what's something that, you know, what's some secrets to creating something that will resonate with the community? Um, thinking about Winamp, I mean, you, in this case, you're you're tapping into the love of Winamp to a certain degree, but if we're thinking about Winamp as a as a software product and what people loved about it, we want to create things that people love, right? That mm. gives them value and joy. Are there lessons we can learn aside from the one that yeah, it's attached to music and that was also formative and important to people? What was it about Winamp that makes that we all loved about it? Was it the customizability? Was it the interface? What do you guys think? Right time, right place. That's all? I mean, it was cool, but
0: what else competed? Like you might have had like Windows Media Player maybe? Yeah. You know, like yeah. there was nothing that was like that that was catchy, sticky that allowed you to like uh, Jordan said earlier, become the creator. You know, come something from nothing. That didn't. I don't think Windows wanted you to change their media player. So that might have been the customizability of it and the timing. Mm-hmm.
2: I th- I think you know you're 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 kind of spot on with the timing, but I think there's another aspect to it as well, um, which is that it was a little bit punk. Uh, I think at that time the um, the MP3 algorithm was still like under, uh, like, you know, you couldn't use it without a license. That's right, yeah. Um, and then somebody, like, leaked it or something like that. Um, I don't, And I, someone probably uh, knows the story better than I do, but um, there was, you know, the, the Fraunhofer Institute or whatever, um, somebody, like, leaked the source to a MP3 decoder engine, and suddenly it basically became possible for anyone to integrate it, and I don't know what the legal implications of that were, Um, but I think basically that like patent suddenly became indefensible. And so I think, uh, Winamp was one of the first to like sort of jump on that and be like, no, we're shipping this, uh, you know, inside free software. I guess that's another thing. That's a big piece of it is that it was, you know, uh, shareware or freeware or whatever, um, which I think was also, you know, another thing of that time. Yeah. It didn't cost Um, you anything. Exactly. Um, and and, I had to catch a song, or not the song, but <laughs> the, the, the tagline. I mean, it
1: did have. I mean, that that does play into the punk, or at least it had attitude, right?
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of that's attributable back to um, you know the sort of the main guy, Justin Frankel, who created it. And I, you know, maybe your uh, listeners know uh, sort of the story of him that after he sold Winamp, uh, or I guess he and and Nullsoft sold Winamp to AOL. Uh, there were a number of stories about his behavior within AOL cause he was, you know, then on, on, uh, contracted to, you know, or to, to stay on the project for some number of years. Uh, but he did not fit in at AOL at all. And so he was like releasing peer to peer file sharing software, like on AOL's website against his boss's wishes and like oh, wow. a bunch of other stuff, you know, after they, you know, paid him a millions and millions of dollars payday. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so according to the history books,
1: they sold it to AOL in 1999 for 80 million dollars, and and the nostalgia for Winamp 2 specifically, because like you didn't build Winamp 3JS or Winamp 5JS, even though these things mm-hmm. exist, is that once yeah. AOL took it over, the it, it lost a lot of the things that people loved. You know, there's a major rewrite, new UI. It was very AOL, which is like anti-punk, right? Like it's like the the most mainstream thing uh, company at the time. Um, and so like the later, another reason why I'm thinking why it's so nostalgic is because it reminds us of a better piece of software than, you know, currently exists and kind of like the Mm -hmm. glory days.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was fast. Um, and I think we have a lot of maybe as a JavaScript uh, developer and, you know, I feel this a little bit, you know, more cutting than others, but you know, this sort of, uh, rebelling against, you know, modern high level languages, which, you know, are comparatively slow and resource heavy, uh, you know, hey, it was it was fast and it was, you know, graphically beautiful, or I guess depending on your aesthetic aesthetic tastes. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the fact that, you know, it was it was a singular vision from a very singular person, I think. Um, and then it was just well executed on top of that. Um, and it wasn't compromised, you know, into any kind of corporate Uh, requirement. Right. It was like this was the thing that Justin wanted to build. And that I think has a lot of power.
0: This episode is brought to you by Linode, our cloud server of choice. It's so easy to get started. Head to linode.com changelog. Pick a plan, pick a distro, and pick a location, and in minutes, deploy your Linode cloud server. They have drool-worthy hardware, native SSD cloud storage, 40 gigabit network, Intel E5 processors, simple, easy control panel, 99.9% uptime guaranteed. We are never down. 24-7 customer support, 10 data centers, 3 regions, anywhere in the world they got you covered. Head to lino.com slash changelog to get $20 in hosting credit. That's four months free. Once again, lino.com slash changelog
1: So Jordan, you've been working on this uh, off and on for four plus years. Uh, surely it's taken different forms. I noticed now it's built with React and Redux. Those things didn't exist in 2014. So take us through some of the history of the software itself, maybe some technical hurdles or interesting bits, and we can talk about uh, all that's packed into Winamp2.js.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, originally uh, it was written in jquery uh, and i think it didn't last very long in that form um, but i i honestly didn't know javascript at all when i started the project like i was trying to figure out like how do you make a class um, which of course is not a thing or like how do you split this across multiple files um and were so were you doing, used to coding in at the time like what's your I was, original language i was is? just writing you know uh bad php and and bad jquery like stitching together plugins and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really this project that taught me JavaScript. Uh, you know, I, I was curious about it and so I'd come home each night eager to try to make it better. And as part of that, I ran up against my own, you know, limitations of knowledge. And so, you know, I kept having to learn like, okay, how do you actually, you know, like I said, do make a class or, learn about prototypical inheritance and whatnot. And so I wrote it all in jQuery at first. Uh, you know, it was very primitive at that point. It didn't do very much. Um, and then pretty quickly I realized that this wasn't really the right the right way to go about it. And so I rewrote it all in just, uh, I know what we call it, vanilla JavaScript without any uh, framework at all. Uh, and it existed in that form for quite a while uh, until I, then I started to run up against limitations of that. Um, and having... Uh, learned a little bit about React at that point. I realized that this sort of declarative nature of being able to, rather than managing transition between states, just managing state and then a, uh, you know, a projection of that state uh, into into DOM state, uh, seemed like it made the right the right uh, made sense for this problem.
1: Were those so, the bumps that you were hitting with the vanilla JS version, if you recall back then? Like, what were the particular Aspects. Was it just like crazy amounts of state everywhere and you having to react to it
2: or oh gosh? Yes. So I think, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the, main, uh, the main thing is when you don't have this declarative, um, you know, sort of react model of your UI being a function of your state, you end up managing the transition between every state. Um, and so then you get this like your... Um, you know your the complexity of your application is exponential of the number of states that you have
1: because uh-huh. you
2: have to manage the transition between all of you know any two states have to be able to go between them um, and so I was running into that with you know as I was adding more and more detail the pain of maintaining that just you know was rapidly exploding and so I, I felt a switch was necessary um, and so yeah I switched to to React and uh, Redux. Uh, and yeah, I, I think from there it, you know, it's it was a pretty good fit for that uh, for that model. Uh, but the, I think the real technical limitations were, were not you know like in the framework decision, but in the you know some of these, like I you know I think I said earlier about trying to do things which are surprising in a medium. So like, can you do the the things that you can do in JavaScript? That you might not think you could do, and some of those technical challenges, I think, were a little bit more interesting. Uh, I think the most interesting one is, uh, you know, winapp 2 actually loads actual skin files, um, and getting to do that inside the browser posed a bunch of interesting technical challenges. Um, and I could I could go into that or not, but I think that was those kinds of problems were much more uh, sort of interesting than the you know what framework to use.
1: Yeah, and that was a surprise to me. I I assumed it was just going to be looking like Winamp and like the play button works and all that. But the fact that you can click the upper left-hand corner and swap skins was awesome. And then when <laughs> I actually cloned the, the code down because I was dorking around with it, and I saw like, no, these are actually just skins. Like this is not some sort of like, like he didn't remake these skins, right? These are the actual, can you go download off of Adam's old uh, Vbulletin and uh, forums, you go download an old skin and pop it into Winamp 2JS and it'll work.
2: Yeah, if you you can just drag it from your desktop right on top of it and it'll bloop. It'll change. Uh uh-uh. uh, that's not like yeah. cool. Yeah, so uh,
0: that's the, what I say when I'm in complete disbelief. Uh
1: uh-uh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a it's wow. a bunch of it's a it's hacks on top of hacks to get it to work inside the browser, but um. Yeah, I, I think once I realized that, you know, Winamp skins were just zip files of of you know bitmaps, and someone has written a you know JavaScript zip utility. It's like, well, okay, you can do it, I guess.
1: So it unzips them, and how does it work? I mean, you yeah, see some hacks hurdles there.
2: Yeah, yeah. So some, um, some hacks. The 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 you know the first step is right of course unzipping this you know binary blob, and then you would get access to these bitmap files. Um, And then of course you need to, you know, treat those, those bitmap files can't just be used directly because those are sprites. Um, And anyone who's done stuff with sprites uh, might know that one of the limitations of sprites is that you can't do like repeating tiles using sprites very easily because you'll end up repeating the whole sprite sheet. Um, So we end up like extracting the zip file, getting the sprite sheets out of the zip file uh, rendering those into a canvas uh, slicing the individual sprites out of that canvas into like a, a data uri um and then uh you know given those data uris well you might think like oh i can just set these as like background images on you know using javascript um but in many cases uh you have to apply them to uh, like pseudo elements so like you know, like the hover state of an item or the like uh handle of a slider and there's no way to do that from javascript so what it ends up being is we get these data uris and then we dynamically generate a css um, style sheet and then inject that into the dom Hmm. so none of those things are particularly beautiful uh, but it it does work it does work which with a side project it does work Is pretty much what you're after right yeah exactly and i think actually the thing that was most interesting about it was not only does it work, but I, you know, I feel pretty confident that even though it's, uh, it's not the right, it doesn't feel like a clean solution, it is the only solution. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I think having a an excuse to do something terrible, um, what where you're still doing the right thing, is, uh, I think that's I think you know when I know I'm having fun.
0: So when you drop the the W whatever file W S Z while well, you guys were talking, I was hacking on some fun stuff here. Does it actually upload it into your UI and then like deep pack? Cause it happened pretty quickly. I drug one on there and it, it changed it in real fast.
2: Yeah. So the, uh, I think one of the limitations I set for myself for this project is there's no server component, right? So it's just JavaScript. So everything happens inside your browser. Um, so it's, it, it, you know, uh, you, when you add the file, when you drag the file in, I get access to, you know, a reference to that file and I can get access to the bits in that file. And so, you know, it it all, it all goes from there inside your browser. Wow.
0: Well, you, that was something you brought up, actually, in your Twitch live stream yesterday. Yep. And I was thinking, like, that would be super cool. And then I was thinking, where do you even begin?
1: I don't know. 1997, I think, is where you got to start. Yeah, you got to go back <laughs> in
0: time. <laughs> Where do you begin, Don Jordan?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess if you want to make a skin, all you really need to do, I guess, what you do is you go Google Skinner's Atlas, which was in you know 1998, uh, sort of the the canonical reference for how to write Winamp skins, and actually uh, was a huge uh, was hugely valuable to me trying to reimplement all this stuff, right? Because I not only do I have to, I have to really fundamentally know how these skins get used in order to recreate. The Winamp UI, uh, you know, to a high degree of detail. Uh, yeah, and it's it's it is it's a bunch of bitmap files and a zip that's been renamed, and then there's a number of like config files in there as well. So some ini files and and whatnot, which which of course I also have to parse.
0: It's tangential, of course, but in this journey of yours, having to go to all these obscure, you know, to some degree, you know, kind of older websites that have information that not a lot of people are actually looking for anymore. You got to deal with all these ads everywhere, and this weird old school web too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or maybe kind of new school. There's ads everywhere now. It's, it's just like, is that a download skin button or is that an ad? <laughs> right,
2: right. Yeah, both. There's like this. It is, has been an interesting experience with sort of understanding bit rot, you know, and how you know yeah. these things that we sort of took for granted being around are not necessarily going to be around forever unless someone cares. Um, and uh, you know, as part of that, I actually. Uh, this actually goes a little bit into one of the things that spun out of this project was uh, I I wrote, uh, someone suggested I write write a uh, Twitter bot which tweets out Winamp skins. So if you go to uh, twitter.com slash Winamp skins, there's a, I have a little bot there which once or twice a day will tweet out a a screenshot of a Winamp skin and a link to uh, webamp.org with that skin turned on. Uh, but just as an, as an effort to sort of preserve some of these, uh, you know, these things that people put a huge amount of effort into and are really, uh, you know, iconic of that era. And sometimes it's because they're just like really incredible and the craftsmanship that went into them and whatnot. But sometimes it's because they're, they're pretty atrocious and you're like, why is there a worm, you know, protruding from your mp3 player (laughs) that's a little bit strange (laughs) but it's impressive i guess um so yeah i think you know i certainly didn't set out on this project with any kind of noble ambition but i think in retrospect if there is anything really valuable that has come out of it it's that it has you know it does provide a way to take these you know artistic artifacts uh, which were becoming sort of increasingly hard to to share or to, um, to experience and, you know, sort of, you know, lower the barrier to entry there. And in fact, I've been, I've been reached out, I reached out to some folks at the internet archive, um, and looking into, you know, maybe ways that we could, uh, you know, have a, a collection of Winamp skins up there on the internet archive.
1: It's a great idea. Did they,
2: yeah, I think like the three, back? I, I, I tweeted something and, uh, a, f- a friend of mine, uh, Tagged somebody else who I guess works there as a volunteer there and was like, "Yes, give me all of them in any format." And so I I still have to follow up with him and figure out exactly what uh, you know what we can do and whether we. I think my main goal would be like if we could get a great UI um, mm-hmm. for you know experiencing them and integrate it with uh, Winamp 2 JS, uh, but I don't know whether that's more than they want to take on. so you, it looks like you can actually
0: by checking out your tweets. It looks like you can actually inject a skin via url
2: yeah there's a if you pass a sort of carefully crafted um json uh in the in the hash of the url you can inject uh, either an mp3 uh or a skin now mp3s and skins are both a little tricky because um uh, cross origin headers and whatnot uh so I, I mm-hmm. haven't exposed, That's something that a lot of users have asked for is this ability to, you know, and in fact Winamp itself could do this. You could paste in a URL and it would play it for you. Um, but alas, you know, due to the cross-origin restrictions, more often than that than not, that experience is not going to actually be good for the user. So I've opted to not expose it in the UI. So as part of that, a side effect or a
0: side side conversation might be are you you cataloging these things in an S3 bucket or something like that or because it's it looks like it's it's on Amazon AWS is this you kind of collecting these as you tweet these Uh,
2: yeah so I got a um a some huge zip file of many thousands of um of MP3 of of uh skins and I've been sort of reviewing them and uh you know looking through them and picking ones that I thought were, you know, notable, I guess. Uh, Pac-Man. I I
0: mean, Pac-Man fever. That was super cool. March 10th. That's notable.
2: So there are definitely like, I try to pick ones which are, which are either interesting, uh, which are interesting, not necessarily because they're great, but because they are interesting. So I try to include the ones that are, you know, great and also the ones that are surprisingly not great. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, then I just I push them up to S3 because um, they do have to be available somewhere, and and that's a pretty you know fast server, and it's yeah. for me to host them there. And then um,
0: and then somebody's not going to change the URL contents for you, like you're pointing to something oh Let me just change out this image for something malicious or just whatever.
1: Right? Exactly. Yeah. So here's an idea. I'm still stuck <laughs> on change log <laughs> skin, it. so I'm trying to think of ways of getting this done. So here's here's the plan. So uh, to the listening audience, this episode of the changelog. Uh, Jordan has agreed to host it indefinitely at webamp.org, which is his website for Winamp2JS. Maybe we'll talk about names in a second. webamp.org slash changelog. We'll link that up in the show notes. When you go to that page, you can listen to this episode inside Winamp2JS. Now, how cool would it be if somebody, anybody out there, created a Ooh. changelog skin that we can use
2: on Here's that for this.
1: player? So it's branded, super cool, right? So, if you have skills, even if you don't have any skills, <laughs> you got time, and you want to try this out, contact us. We would love to work with you. We even have like a brand a brand guideline you could use. So we have all of our mm-hmm. colors, our fonts, like everything you need.
2: And
0: yeah, you could just pull all the colors from our style sheets too on the on the dot .com.
2: Well, that's, yeah, that's either I'm way totally way, on board yeah. with this. I think I think this would be great. <laughs> Awesome.
1: So that, that skins, let's talk about other features because, uh, it's really quite functional. Like you can even, you know, you can separate the different segments, um, drag them around separately. You can resize what all is in here that maybe doesn't, you know, people don't know.
2: Yeah. I think it's, you know, just by looking it's at taken at on the form of like a, like a puzzle box in that, uh, you know, it sort of, you, you open it up and it's like, Oh yeah, I can, I can click play. Uh, but under the hood there's the more you dig, I think the more little details that I guess just bothered me enough that I decided to do them, uh, will reveal themselves. So, uh, you know, the, the, I think the simplest one is just, you know, you play and there's like a visualizer, right? So the, there's two different kinds of visualizer. If you click on it, um, in the main window, it'll go between the sort of like bar graph visualizer and a line graph visualizer. And that's all hooked up through the web audio API. Um, the equalizer works. Uh, so you can, uh, you know, you can twiddle the different levels of the different frequency bands. And again, that, that works actually pretty simply through the web audio API. Um, once you work around a, a bug that I discovered in Safari, which depending on how you ordered things in the web audio API, it would just like hard crash, like seg fault Safari. Um, so that took me like three months mm-hmm. to figure out. Um, but, uh, those are, those are good ones. And then I think the window management has, has been interesting too. So, you know, like I said, I, I released this first version, you know, back in 2014 and it was just the main window at that point. And then going from one window to two windows, suddenly there was a huge amount of additional like, uh, extra layer of work required. So, you know, you can drag these windows around, uh, but they, when it went up, had this great feature where, you know, most of the time you probably want them sort of stuck to each other you you want the windows sort of arranged, but you want them to form a single unit. And so it had like snap. So if you drag uh, two windows close to each other, they'll sort of, um, they'll sort of align directly. Um, so getting that to work was, uh, quite a bit of effort. And in fact, just recently another piece of that is, you know, the windows have this like shade mode, uh, where they'll like collapse down to just their title bar. Um, and Winamp, again, has this you know, interesting UI feature where if you have two windows, one on top of the other, and you put the top window into shade mode, all the lower windows will sort of uh, travel along with it. Uh, and so like, getting that to work was another uh, bunch of effort. Um, let's see, this laundry list of other things. It can parse the binary equalizer format files that Winamp um, can generate and it can also generate them so if you like set the equalizer to a particular level uh, you can export that as a binary file and then like drag it in to to, uh, bring it back to that level Um, the playlist uh, works and you can export your current playlist as a HTML file uh, which again Winamp could do Um, what's this file type EQF? it's pretty simple I'd never uh, actually had to do anything with binary file formats so it was my my for, first uh, uh, entry into that kind of world, which is good. Again, you know, I learned a lot. Uh, but it's very simple. It's just like a, a a name and then like eleven values between you know zero and two fifty five.
0: So wh- why uh, why can you save a preset for the equalizer, and not the playlists? Is it yeah. is, is it completely different? Is like just a JSON? Would you kind of modernize it, or would you sort of still go old school with it?
2: Um so you're saying like why can't why can you save the export of the um equalizer but you can't like export your playlist yeah. which i think when it comes to like the m3u format yeah it's another thing people right. have asked for and the reason right. is that there's there's an, like i don't have direct access to your file system so if you came back if you had you know dragged in you know your your matrix soundtrack to listen to um and then you tried to export that playlist and nice then choice. you, <laughs> and then you load up that playlist again. I can't go look on your on your file system and, and find those files for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, while I could certainly you know read and generate M3U um, files, I can't go. I can't actually do anything useful with them. So mm, it's again okay. one of these limitations of the browser where you know you can do a lot, but you can't do everything. Now.
1: Now. Maybe my memory isn't serving me, but like this snap you mentioned before when the when the different panes snap together. That just seems like exactly how Winamp used to work. Did you just is that exactly I mean, as much as you can or am I just having like backwards nostalgia where I think this is the real thing? As as much as
2: possible, I've tried very carefully to recreate everything exactly. And and partially it's just because it's kind of fun to do. Um, but also it's, it's actually kind of freeing as an engineer who, you know, even with the most well-defined spec, I think any project ultimately ends up being a lot of judgment calls as an engineer of like, okay, how should this thing actually work to be the best? And there's something kind of liberating about Mm -hmm. not having to make that decision ever. And just knowing like, okay, the spec is this thing, right? I want it to behave exactly like this for better or for worse. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like, Mm -hmm. I was literally, you know, a uh, slow-mo screen capturing actual Winamp in a VM to see how many pixels away it is until it snaps. Um, and wow. yeah, and, and I guess to say for better or for worse, there are some cases where Winamp has bugs um, where things don't behave you know, in a quite sensible way. Where I've actually gone ahead and re-implemented those bugs uh, just because, uh, you know, I, for me that's kind of more interesting than trying to make the best MP3 player. Uh, just to make the one that already exists.
0: This episode is brought to you by our friends at GoCD. GoCD is an open source continuous delivery server built by ThoughtWorks. Check them out at GoCD.org or on GitHub at GitHub.com GoCD. GoCD provides continuous delivery out of the box with its built-in pipelines, advanced traceability, and value stream visualization. With GoCD, you can easily model, orchestrate, and visualize complex workflows from end to end with no problem. They support Kubernetes and modern infrastructure with elastic on-demand agents and cloud deployments. To learn more about GoCD, visit gocd.org changelog. It's free to use and they have professional support and enterprise add-ons available from ThoughtWorks. Once again, go cd.org slash changelog. So I'm, I'm thinking about how this works it, it it actually works not just looks like it works but it actually works and you've thought through all this cool stuff and even recreated bugs and i'm thinking like we're talking about usefulness and exporting playlists and equalization and all that fun stuff but like could this be like a front end to say spotify's api for example
2: yeah there have been a lot of people who uh you know where they pull it up and they're like oh my gosh you can really drag in mp3s that's so cool let me go find an mp3 oh yeah, I don't, don't, don't have, have any <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so there have been a lot of requests for like, okay, how do you take this, this thing which is, you know, really just a gimmick, right? It's it's a web page, you can go to it and you go, oh <laughs> neat, and then you move on with your life, um, but there have been a number of people who have thought like, okay, how do you turn this into something that's actually you know useful um, and so I think the ones that I've seen are like you said, the Spotify people want it to integrate with Spotify. Um, and they want it, yeah, yeah. People, what? Okay, back. this isn't just you.
0: This is them poaching you. All right, cool. Yeah, Let's hear
2: more. No, not necessarily. Spotify wants it, but uh, oh, well, actually, okay. okay. The people Spotify of Spotify, not Spotify the company. Stepping back, so Spotify, <laughs> is that like Spotify people at Walmart itself, people actually of did have uh, a pr- uh, player called Spotty Amp, which was a like C. Winamp clone that you could run on your desktop if you had a Spotify like premium account. Um, and I wish I could remember the, the name of the guy who did that because he's a, he's a notable guy. Um, but he was working on Spotify and he, he built this Winamp clone that you could download and run and it would interact with Spotify. And I think they had first, they had some licensing issues with it. Um, and then I think ultimately there was a whole to do about people were using the, the like, um, library, the underlying library, which that thing used, um, as a, as a hacking monetization model. So they were like creating fake Spotify accounts and then, um, they would like hack into arbitrary people's computers and like play tracks on those, um, Spotify author accounts, tracks, and then make the like revenue from having their tracks listened to a bunch and so eventually Spotify had to shut down that, um, or they chose to, I guess, shut down that, that thing. So yeah, Spotify itself, I think at least some people within Spotify would like to see a, a Winamp interface. Um, and you know, they do have this API that's available online. Um, and I don't know for sure, but I, I think it might have something to do with the new DRM enabled, um, APIs in the browser. Uh, and that's a whole other conversation, but because of the DRM, we can't get direct access to the audio stream. And so there are some features which don't work. Um, so the equalizer can't work because uh, we can't twiddle the bits in the, the way that we need to. and the visualizer can't work. Um, and the balance can't work. Um, so for now, and unless maybe the, you know a bunch of these things get added as um, you know on top of the existing web APIs, for now, those things can't work. Someone has a, a copy working. Um, and I, I once I think that solidifies a little bit, I'll share that. Um, but because it basically can't work fully, I think I'm not going to include it in the core. But uh, today there's Dropbox integration. So you can, if you go to the like options menu and you say like, like open a file or play file, you can uh, pick from your Dropbox folder.
0: Can you actually point it at a Dropbox folder and that becomes a playlist? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you can like there's Dropbox has a little like file picker UI and you just pick from there and it will populate your playlist with, you know, a directory of files. Wow.
0: While you were talking about that too, I was also thinking about just like alternate ways to use this could be, it, that would make a really sweet looking iPhone interface or even mobile interface. Cause it's, you know, vertical, you know, and the play, playlist can be, you know, the top two seconds sections are essentially the same height. And then the bottom one is the, See, might too, but I guess it's variable in the fact that you can scroll to see more playlists. That could be one more place to take it.
2: Well, the yeah, touch I've done some work to get I it think. to work to make sure it works on mobile, um, and it does work. But yeah, I think the touch target That's issue is is pretty devastating. Um, but, you know, Bummer. you can't really cl- click on anything. Although it does bring to mind, I don't know where does you know back when the iPhone was you know still like a myth you know, people were doing all these mockups of what an iPhone would look like based on, you know, like what a mobile phone looked like and what an iPod looked like. But someone did this like mockup of a like hardware web amp or hardware Winamp, um, which is I'll I'll see if I can track it down. Maybe it's in the show notes, but it's pretty incredible. It's, It's literally just like a little, you know, candy bar size hardware device that looks like Winamp UI on the top with like a headphone cable coming out of it. Yeah, definitely share
1: that with us, and we will add it to the show notes. Let's talk about the name you just mentioned, Webamp. <laughs> Again, we've been calling it Winamp Two JS. Surely, there's a story there. There's yeah. always a story.
2: Uh, with names. So, Winamp Two JS was, I guess, the name I came up with originally, just because I thought it it was the most terse explanation of what the project was. Right? It's Winamp Two in JavaScript. Um, and shortly after I I tweeted it that first time, the I. I got a a tweet response from um, Tom Pepper, who I guess was one of the very early people at Nullsoft, along with Justin Frankel. And he said, like, hey, congratulations from Nullsoft. Uh, We have these domains if you want them. Um, So that was webamp.com.org and .net. And I guess, I think they maybe had some internal project or something like that at some point of doing some kind of web thing, and it never came to fruition. And I don't know how he... Uh, you know, came into possession of those domains or whatever. But uh, yeah, there, I guess there was a, I guess long story short, there might've been some legal complications about getting me those domains, but I have them now um, except for.com, which uh, I got scooped up. But so I, th- I thought it was very cool to one, have like a much more shareable URL than who's was currently like on my own jordaneldridge.com uh, domain with, you know, three subdirectories down. Uh, so I, th- I thought I might as well take advantage of these mm-hmm. uh, this domain because it seems like a cool place for it to live, um, but I guess I haven't fully committed to changing the name and and you know introducing the complete confusion of, uh, you know, like you said, news articles or other things that talk about it as Winamp Two JS and then that not being the canonical name mm-hmm. anymore, but eh, I you know the, it felt it felt worth like a code name or something the the new name but it's I guess it's like too late now. There's gonna be yeah. confusion. It's just a matter of like where does that confusion live?
0: What's what's crazy is that you create this thing, you tweet about it, and then the originators of Nullsoft what did you say his name was again?
2: Uh Tom Pepper.
0: Tom Pepper. I love that name too. It's such a cool name. Yeah, I think. Tom you. Pepper <laughs> reaches out to you and says, Hey, I got some
2: Maybe we, we have that. some
0: domains we can probably give you. So why did you not get the com? What
2: happened there? Um let's see, how how do I how do I phrase this? So uh i wasn't able to actually he wasn't able to actually give me the domains um but in the intervening years they did expire uh rather conveniently Uh, but i wasn't watching closely enough
0: i see okay so
2: it's a a bit delicately put but that's that's why
0: yeah i'm reading everybody else read between the lines there we're not gonna repeat it because it's just not it's just it's just too close (laughs) it's too close but this is crazy, though. So, like, a long time <laughs> ago, you kind of got uh, nostalgic and you wanted to play with this back in, you know, whatever. You released this 2014. And then, you know, now you're doing this. I think this is such a crazy journey. This is the... This is, the, this is open source at its best. I it really
2: is. That, you know, there certainly... There haven't been a ton of contributors. I, I can say, you know, there have been people who have, like, popped in and done a thing or two that they thought was interesting. Uh, I mean, I think most notably the addition of actually parsing the job, the skin file in the browser using that uh, JavaScript library was a, a very early pull request. Um, but I think the, the amount of input that has influenced, you know, how it's evolved has been really tremendous. Just people, you know, popping up and be like, Hey, did you know like this obscure thing about the web audio API that would allow you to do this other thing that you probably want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it really has been, uh, you know, like while most of the code has been commits that I've written myself, the a lot of the you know core ideas or breakthroughs did come from people in the community. And, and, well, I mean, and the, 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 the attention that it got has really enabled that in a way that I certainly, you know, without people knowing about it, their ability to come in and, and lend their particular expertise, you know, I don't think would, would be possible.
0: It may not be open source traditionally in the fact that you said there's not that many contributors. However, you know, it's not as if like this is code you have behind the firewall. Nobody can see. And I think that is inviting for those with knowledge to contribute, whether it's a direct code contribution or a, hey, did you know about being open source in the open with no, at this point, I assume, commercial intentions. You know, it's, that's, that's, that's the cool thing. Like, why would you do this not open source? It would only make sense to do it open source.
2: I think, you know, a lot of people who have, who are friends of mine or whatnot have seen like, oh man, like you got, you know, I think when it got a tech tech crunch, that was like, uh, (laughs) it felt pretty hilarious to me that something like this would get written up in a publication like that. Um, but you know, when I was telling my friends, you know, how cool that was and they're like, wow, like now that you've really, you know, hit the mainstream, like, I've made it. Are, are you going to start putting ads on there? Are you going to, you know, what's your, what's the monetization strategy? Um,
0: uh, yeah. Okay. Wait, wait. Yeah. What's the monetization strategy? Well, How are you going to make money from this? I know what it is. You just sit there and wait for AOL. To <laughs> yeah, call. Right. Uh, happen. And, and, and they're <laughs> like, no, wait, don't we already own that? <gasps>
2: I haven't they really
1: sold it off. They'll buy
2: it again. We'll buy it again. Let's one more try. I, yeah. Very strictly, do not have any interest in that. Um, I guess uh, you know the answer to my monetization strategy has been to do something really interesting. Hope that people who know or who care see it, and then that that has like a, a positive influence on my career trajectory, and uh, that actually is is directly true in that my current job uh, at Facebook uh, was the result of a recruiter reaching out who had seen this project. Um, And then in my interview loop, I think two of the engineers I talked with had had seen it. So it gave us something really interesting to talk about. So I I guess don't discount, uh, you know, just having something be visible as a, as a, you know, monetization strategy by just, you know, improving your career um, you know, and, and of course I think all of that is secondary to all the things I learned working on the project. How much of
0: this overlaps with things yeah. you do day to day? Like how much of, have, have, has what you've done at day job, either at Facebook or elsewhere, you know, kind of led back into this or vice versa. I, it's
2: actually, yeah, I think the vice versa is actually more the case in that, uh, I started working on this project and then I got really into JavaScript and, you know, in order to do some of the things that I wanted to do here, I had to dig pretty deep into understanding the language and, um, you know, some of the web APIs and whatnot. And I got really fired up about JavaScript. And at my previous company, the sort of state of the JavaScript code base was a little bit lacking. And so then i sort of got on this war path about improving things there. And then that led, you know, to me sort of evolving into a very JavaScript centric role there, um, sort of heading up the JavaScript infrastructure at that company And, and then of course that had a feedback loop to learning a lot more. Um, so I think it it really was like, you know, this project gave me the impetus to go really deep on some of these things, which then had, you know, value in my career. And, and then there was a feedback loop on top of that.
0: What you're not condoning is that the only way you get hired is by having side projects, right?
2: (laughs) Uh, No, I'm not condoning that, but I do. But you're saying that it, it could help. I do think that, um, finding something that you're, that you're passionate about, um, and certainly if you ideally, like you should do that at your work and, and ideally you can do both of those things too, right? Like you can, you can have a project at work that you really care about and you can have, um, you know, other things on top of that if you wish. Um, but you know, I think in the interview process, having something that you really like have like you're you're fired up about um and that you've thought about in that like sort of all-consuming way I think comes across and whether that thing is like because you were able to find that alignment with your day job or whether that thing is something that you found you know on the side is is you know certainly a personal choice
1: so I'm a big fan of experimentation myself and in fact If uh, people listen to our previous episode, probably two Mm -hmm. episodes back now, uh, about live coding on Twitch with Suze Hinton, you'll be happy to hear that she has convinced us to actually begin uh, live streaming some code, and I've had a couple of sessions now um, committing to doing some experimentations uh, every Monday afternoon, uh, roughly, U.S. time. Two o'clock, you on time, too. I guess. Well, two uh, o'clock central. Guy. So, I like to be on time. yeah, Monday. That's right. Which is like four a.m. Yeah. Australia <laughs> time. So, uh, which I found out by one of our Australian friends in Slack, who was a bit disappointed, but I think he understands. I think if you live in Australia, you're kind of used to a lot of stuff happening in the U.S. Yeah. Um, well, the cool
0: thing is you got the playback but, though. You got the videos going on. So the first one you didn't, but the second one you did, so right. you can get the playback.
1: That's right. So if you're interested in that, uh, twitch.tv slash changelog underscore. Hey, Twitch, if you you know
0: us and you like us, give us slash changelog, please. (laughs) Somebody out there. Get that on our there. Nobody wants it.
1: For the time being, changelog underscore, of course. Uh, You can also just go to our website and find a place to click on that. Follow us on there if you want to live code with me on Monday afternoons. And I've been hacking on winamp JS. So Jordan had a sweet idea, which has kind of morphed into uh, what we talked about earlier with the webamp.org slash changelog view. But how can we get a specialized player, maybe even on changelog.com? And so we've been experimenting with getting uh, Winamp2 loaded into our site and running, and I'm happy to report that that worked and it played one of our episodes, served locally. Um but hit some, hit some hit some road bumps, as Jordan said. There's people that are hacking on this, but not too many outside contributions. So uh, the thing that we hit first and are still kind of stuck at is there doesn't seem to be much of a public API. It seems like the way you built it, it's very much for the single use of I'm loading a single page with just this on it in the middle, <laughs> which <laughs> hilariously also <laughs> threw me for a loop. Because instead of it being in the middle of the viewport, it's actually in the middle of the page and you're not used to there being a <laughs> scroll. Well, our homepage is quite long, and so it took me 15 to 20 minutes to realize, oh, it's actually working. It's just like completely outside of the viewport. That's funny. Um, which was fun. Funny <laughs> I missed that that, that that live stream. Um, so Yeah, I that. yeah. Um, the video's out there. I think it's about like a, an hour and four minutes or something. I I, I linked it into our Slack, but. It made for one of those joyous programming moments when you realize something is working and then you also realize <laughs> you just wasted a half an hour uh, thinking that it wasn't working. But Jordan's anyway, laughing I over there. Uh-huh. He's, he's enjoying it. <laughs> uh- <laughs> well, Jordan was actually kind enough to hop into that live stream and actually uh, give me some feedback as I was dorking around with the code and trying to figure out how to use it. So that was fun as well. But um, when we talk about what's coming down the roadmap, my my hope is some sort of API so that we can at least invoke it from a from a outside yeah, it, party. Um, maybe pass it some metadata and a in a track or a yeah. The, the
2: I think the the common wisdom is that um, open source works really well for libraries and not very well for applications. And uh, yeah, yeah I think this is sort of in that in a middle ground there where it's not quite low level enough to work with most of the abstractions that open source relies upon. Um, and, and having a like actual UI widget that works on other people's pages, um, that, that people can just like NPM install is, I think not, um, I think like, I guess like web components was supposed to try to solve this. Um, but this is not a problem that's very solved. Um, so, you know, like I said earlier, I actually have to like inject style sheets into the DOM in order to get this thing to work. And while I try very hard not to. Know, step on anyone else's toes. You know, there's certain certain things that are just a little bit hard to figure out how to do uh, on other on other pages. But yeah, it's something I'm very I'm very open to. And I think there are people who are playing with it. Um, what is it like uh let's see if I can find it like 98.js.org. Um there's a guy who's done a really amazing uh, JavaScript clone of um, MS Paint and he has this like entire Windows 98 mm-hmm. clone going on at 98.js.org. Cool. Um, he's included uh, Winamp win amp there. Um, and there's some other, uh, I think projects that are, you know, similarly trying to pull it in and yeah, I would love to get it to work. Um, and it, it, it should. And we do have some kind of public API where you can like load it pre populated. Um, but I think there is a, a little bit of a question as to like, right. okay, well, if it's its own UI, how like should you be able to control it from another UI? Um, and, and yeah. I think I'm at this point. Right. I'm looking for people who have use cases that they can show to me and say, like, this is how I want to use it. And then I'll, I'm, you know, would really like to add those APIs as necessary because all the logics there. It's just a matter of yeah. exposing in a way that doesn't expose, you know, internals that I want to be able to change in the future.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to report that in terms of uh CSS clashes or anything like that, it worked uh surprisingly well. There was a little yeah. bit of a Z index <laughs> issue where like some of our avatars are on top of it. And I could just change the you know in the in the console I just changed the Z index to a really high value mm-hmm. on Winamp and that fixed that. It's the the positioning. Uh that was problematic and I don't I'm sure I could Probably override some CSS to, to fix that as well. And then, really, just the ability to just like pass it a track and say play, as opposed to like right now, the only way you can do that is right. on initialization it would probably be enough for us. But um, yeah, our use case is, you know, I don't even know if we'd ever even ship it. I would have a, a hard requirement of lazy loading it um, when somebody invokes yep. it from our on site player because I wouldn't want to ship that with every page load because <laughs> like 0.1. So zero point one percent of our right. of our users would okay. ever click on it. So, would love to get it working, and probably will continue to hack on it um,
2: in upcoming well, Monday it's afternoon sessions. It's a so, thing I have been I've been thinking about for sure, and it actually has influenced somewhat the the architectural choices that I've made. Um, so I actually do you know there's like a a Winamp class internally, which then I you know consume on the page itself. So for example, the Dropbox integration. It's not actually part of the core library, uh, but that's a like uh, an API that I exposed to myself, such that I could inject it on the webamp.org page. Mm-hmm.
1: Very cool. Anything else uh, aside from you know me bugging you to add uh, <laughs> APIs that you have planned? Like this is where I'm taking it. Are there aspects of Winamp 2.9 that it doesn't do, or there? grand plans for the future, or do you feel like it's Yeah, I'm definitely like approaching
2: the, the limit of getting everything of these main three windows working. Um, and so that's, uh, on one hand that's exciting, but on the other hand, right, it raises this issue of like, okay, what's next? Um, so, uh, you know, there, there are people working, or there's at least somebody working on an Electron app, um, which would be one interesting place to take it. I'm a little bit skeptical that something that's like, wow, that's so cool, in the browser, as soon as it's an Electron app, the response is gonna be like, "Oh God, Electron, <laughs> JavaScript, everything is slow." Like I uh, remember Winamp. Winamp was fast. Right. This is not fast. Uh, and that there's gonna be this sort <laughs> of like, uh, like a, I don't know, like an uncanny valley. Uh, I don't know if you know that, like, like that notion in like uh, 3D rendering that like as things mm-hmm. get more and more real, eventually they reach a point where they're like so real but not quite real enough that they become very disconcerting. And I worry a little bit that if if this does actually get packaged up as a desktop application, that uh, something which felt like a very detailed and and accurate re-implementation in the browser is going to feel like jarringly not quite (laughs) right uh, on the desktop. Um, So that's that's one thing that I'm thinking about. The other one, um, of course, is that Spotify thing, although I don't think that that uh, will ever really can never quite be right due to the drm limitations um but the thing i'm actually more interested in is uh there's this um one of the i think other iconic things about winamp was the visualizations there were these um very ornate uh visualizers i think the most notable one is called milk drop um which would do these you know psychedelic uh, visualizations of your music in real time you'd sort of see the the screen undulating in beat with your music uh, and all that stuff should be possible in JavaScript. And in fact it is. So there's a, a, a guy here in the Bay area who's done a project called butter churn um, And it's basically a, a JavaScript re of milk drop, which was one of these visualizers. Um, and we've, we've gone back and forth a few times. I think he's interested in trying to integrate it. Um, but he's you know, been busy and it's not, this project is not open source, so mm-hmm. I can't just jump on it. Um, and then there are some, there are the other main visualizer, which I think was built in to Winamp, was called AVS. Um, odd, uh, I don't know what it stands for. Um, but that actually did get open sourced uh, as Nullsoft sort of got acquired or whatever. Um, so the C or C++ source code um, is out there. And there are some people working on a JavaScript port of that. And there's also someone working on a like a uh, WebAssembly transpilation. Of that. I was just going to say yeah. that might be a good use um, of WebAssembly. And there's that. a uh, – yeah, so there's some talk of trying to get that to work. And I would really love to see that because the, the AVS worked with these presets, which were these like declarative files um, that people – you know, these like – I guess in the same way that skin authors would be distributing these skins they had made – these preset authors would be distributing these visualizations. And similarly, there's like no place to go experience those anymore. And so it would be really cool to offer, you know, a home for those things that could be you know, revitalized on the web. So those are the things I'm thinking about. Um, but I would love to see if, you know, anyone else has any other ideas of places that we could take this or, or other things like that.
0: What a journey. I mean, it, just uh, one side project away. And then next thing you know, down the Radbible, rabbit hole, all this fun. Facebook, uh, archiving the web, going back into history, hitting up old forums, resurrecting uh, skins, tweeting them even, and loading them via URL. That's it's an interesting path, and then also like you said, the vice versa on the learning process of like you know taking what you've learned here and applying it to stuff you do at work is it's crazy. It's just crazy. I'm uh, I'm impressed very much.
2: It's, it's been pretty amazing. I think how how much has unlocked, uh, contact with different people. I think that really has been the one thing that, um, you know, I'm a a self-taught engineer and I spent a lot of time doing contract work outside of what I felt was sort of like the, um, the developer community. And in fact, I, it's it's funny to mention this. I remember listening to this, this very podcast, you know, before I really had any friends in the industry and and being like, oh, this is what like real engineers are talking about. Um, and uh, wait, so you're talking about this? Yeah, podcast. The, the, you know, change log podcast.
0: What? Uh, yeah, All no, right. I'm
2: serious. And tell uh, me more. I'm listening. And, and just, oh, not <laughs> this episode. I hope this is not a time travel story. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was. Um, <laughs> not that your story is not good. Please continue. You know, and feeling very um, isolated. And not knowing, you know, whether wow. an engineer or not, or whether you know these like PHP website, WordPress websites I was slinging were you know garbage or whether I was actually you know learning anything, and um, and you know going on this this journey of having done something and then getting you know feedback from people on GitHub and um, you know, and then getting to meet you know actual other engineers who had thought about these things and and connecting up with people, I think it really is like the human network has been like the long term benefit of this project. It's like the people I've been able to meet the um, you know, the people I've been able to learn from um, cause that's stuff that I, you just, you, you can't self, you know, there's certain things you can't self teach without uh, you know, learning from other people. And so I think that's been, no the, amount of money can buy that. Totally. Yes, exactly. And um, so having this like community and getting to build this community of all these people who have, you know, related interests has been really pretty incredible.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad it's come full full circle here and you've been able to, one, be a listener. Bummer on being isolated, but thank you for letting us be a resource for you to not feel so isolated. And three, just kind of continuing that journey and then ultimately coming on the show and sharing this cool story.
2: I mean, that's... I'm kind of touched, man. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, when you guys reached out on Twitter, I definitely was like, "Play it cool, play it cool." <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think uh, you know, finding finding your community is really important, and um, and for me, a big part of that was, uh, you know, you know, learning podcasts and other things like that. You know, blogs and whatnot, uh, and then you know, as you do more things and get more things out there being able to connect up with real people and not being afraid to reach out and say like, Hey, you know, what's up? Let's talk.
0: Yeah. Hey, what's up? Come talk. I like <laughs> that. Well, Jordan, thank you so much. I mean, this ending here is is uh, super special because I didn't know that you were a listener and what we just shared there. That's, that's really cool. And I'm so glad to, that Jared and I get the honor to host this show and then have listeners like you and others listening to the show and, and, you know, being, changed, being transformed, being, you know, welcomed, you know, invited by it. Cause that's what we try to do ourselves. And, uh, yeah, that means a lot to me to hear that.
2: So thank you for sharing your story. Anything else you want to share before we call the show? No, done? I think I'm, you know, I'm just very, uh, like I said, I'm very, very cool to be on here and, um, and thanks for all the hope that you guys do. Cool. Well, thank you. We'll call this show done. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: that's it for this episode of the changelog if you enjoy going back in the past to learn about winamp and webamp and html5 and javascript and all this fun stuff to make something nostalgic come to life through open source this fun project for jordan is just this fun to go back into and dive into it's a lot of fun doing this if you enjoyed this share it with a friend read us an apple podcast go on overcast and favorite it whatever you use like it favorite it share it tweet it whatever uh do us that favor and also thanks to our sponsors rollbar linode and GoCD. and of course bandwidth for changelog is provided by fastly so learn more at fastly.com and we move fast and fix things here at changelog because of rollbar check them out at rollbar.com and changelog.com is hosted on linode servers head to linode.com slash changelog check them out support this show This show is hosted by myself, Adam Stachowiak, and Jared Santo. Editing for this episode is by Tim Smith. Music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. And you can find more shows just like this at ChangeLaw.com or on Overcast or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That's it. It's over. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
2: really whips the llama's ass.